1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: And up by Merson, in comes Linigan on the far side. Well, David O'Leary gets himself and the ball
1: out of the net. And Arsenal are in front.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of In Lockdown, brought to you by Lavazza. This week's interviewee made more appearances for the club than any other player in history. David O'Leary's incredible Arsenal career spanned 20 seasons, during which time he racked up no fewer than 722 games. At the end of today's episode, we'll bring you details of next week's show, as well as reminding you how you can subscribe and leave reviews and ratings. So yeah, as I say, David, usually we do a, a career reflective in these in lockdown interviews, but your career is so long uh, that we would never get through it or we'd be here all day. So instead we wanted to reflect on how football is how how it changed over the course of your playing days because obviously you, you, you spanned twenty years at Arsenal. Um so let's go back to the to the very beginning. Uh, nineteen seventy three was it when you signed as an apprentice?
2: Um yeah, I mean I signed in seventy three and it's funny, I, I laugh, but um when you go around the stadium David O'Leary, 18 you know has me 75 i think in the stadium but um i i signed and joined Arsenal in 73 um but i'd played already uh, before i was pro you could say in the team and that so i came in i came and signed in the um the may of uh, 1973 and i actually finished that cup final um the May ninety ninety three. If you remember the second replay, the replay of the Sheffield Wednesday FA Cup final. So it was re. It was exactly twenty years. Uh, that's uh, before Arsenal sussed me out and kicked me out.
0: Let's go back. As you say, you were seventeen. You made your debut. Um, very young for a, obviously for a defender as well. Did you did you feel ready at the time? Did you have any self doubt at all, or were you? Full of that sort of teenage confidence that that you have,
2: I was seventeen in the May, and it's it's August, so you're just you know a few months in, so you're very young seventeen year old and uh, Peter Simpson was injured, and I think maybe I can't remember maybe a couple of others who could have filled in there and um they felt like uh, I could play was I shocked, yes, you know, I was expecting. Maybe towards the end of that season, if I did well uh, through the season, that I might get a debut or something. You never know like that. Uh, so I wasn't expecting it. And um, I was absolutely delighted to get it. Um, and I had a lot of nice people who helped me. Um, you know, Pat Rice is still a great friend there, played at uh, people like Sammy Nelson. Terry Mancini was great to play alongside as a young person there to help. The great Liam Brady was in front there. Many Eddie Kelly, Alan Ball. So there was many good people, George Armstrong. It was a tough game. Um, I was back with the club there to Burnley, and any time I go back, I kind of reminisce to myself. It all started here, and uh, the ground really hasn't changed much um, in, in any way. And uh, I can always remember probably a few things. Bertie May bringing my dad in, um, to the kind of the dressing room afterwards, I never knew he was there, and it was typical, classy uh, Arsenal to get him over and see me make my debut. So I was absolutely delighted that I could share that with him.
0: When you were told before, was it the night before the game? Can you remember when? When did you know that you were about to make your debut?
2: Oh, I, I got told on the day before we left to drive up to Burnley. You know, in, in the training session at London Coney. I wasn't a person that got very nervous before games. I, I yes, you had a the an edge about you, but was I a person that couldn't sleep the night before before games, and else? No, I had a good night's sleep. I got up. Probably realised really on the Saturday morning more than the you know, on the being told on the Friday morning before you went out to train that you were playing and, you know, on the coach up, the same thing. It probably really, really hit me on the Saturday. Um in the team meeting to say, yeah, you're going to make your debut. You're actually going to play for Arsenal Football Club here. I presume, you know, play one game or a couple of games and that'd be it. But I think I played the first 40 games of that season um, before I got injured, which I look back now and I, I, I can't believe that was possible.
0: No, it it does seem. I mean, it's obviously very unusual for a player of that age to come in and just then keep his place in the team. Did you feel like you were learning on the job, or did you feel ready?
2: Yeah, and people were kind of Bertie me kept saying to me, um, "Are you feeling okay? Are you a bit, are you tired, or anything else?" And I was going, "No, I feel fine." I don't think they could believe it either, and they were trying to check out. Was I okay? Are you still feeling well? Because. I seemed to be getting better as the more games I played without sounding that I wasn't getting tired or looking tired. Um, but I think I got a, a hamstring injury at the very end of the season because of fatigue, if you know what I mean. Yes, I felt when, well, I felt a little bit weary at the very end of that first season. But um, I thought to myself, God, uh, I've enjoyed this. I've liked this. I've played with good people who looked after me well. It was a very tough league to be involved in um a very physical league in those days at that position compared to what it is now and um but got through it and uh, I was immensely proud that's the amount of games i uh, got through that season,
0: yeah, so you established yourself really quickly as as part of the first team and as an important part of the of the team um what was it like as a young professional footballer at the time um was it a glamorous profession back then because obviously we now we look at all the the glamour that surrounds the Premier League back in the mid '70s—how different was it?
2: Oh, the game has changed completely. Um, yes, you, you had, a, as an apprentice growing up, you had your duties to clean the, you know, to clean the dressing rooms, to clean the football boots. Um, all that, all that type of stuff was expected of you. and It was par for the course. Did it do me any harm? No, I think it was it was good for me and good for anybody that that did do that now. Good God, everything is done you know, at such a young age. Um, I think you're awarded far too quicker at a young age now. What can you do about that? As I say, Arsenal was a great club to grow up in. You know, I, I look at Saka we have coming through here and I think to myself, I think you'll go on and be a really top, top player for this club. And um, I'm delighted to see his progress through because it's somebody I've had an eye on for quite a while. I think he's a... He's a lovely person with it and uh, I'm so proud that somebody like him has come through the ranks of Arsenal I hope he'll stay for a long time and keep improving and improving.
0: Yeah, and there's much more awareness now that when a lad of um, Bukayo's age, for example, does get thrust into the into the spotlight, it, there's a lot that goes with it. When you, when you look back at your, yourself, 17, 18, playing for Arsenal every week, who did you have looking out for you?
2: I had really good solid professional people in the club um, people like Terry Mancini even who couldn't believe at his late stage in life that he was playing for Arsenal Football Club and there were so so many good professionals there plus what you had is you know Bobby Campbell is the coach there and um, Bertie Mee was a great great person as well that looked after you so the whole club wrapped wrapped around you really really well and there's so many people you, Um, you had to thank really there.
0: And we spoke to Kevin Campbell recently, who said that when he was a a young player at the club, it was always drilled into him from an early age, what it means to play for Arsenal, um, what's expected of you, the privilege, the responsibility you have. Did you have that? Was that around as well in the 70s?
2: I was a lad from, came out from Dublin at 15. My, My parents, I was born over here, my parents... Worked in North London around that area. My dad supported Arsenal, um, and I knew how proud he was. That I was delighted that I came. They moved back to Dublin. I ended up coming back over to London and ended up playing at Arsenal. And they were so proud uh, of me for that. I knew I was playing at a at an absolute great club. i I'd, I'd come. I'd gone on trial to Man United and had a fantastic time there. But when I came down then to Arsenal for my for a trial. It, I just clicked with them um, that for all Man United are really good and I had a really great week there there's something different about Arsenal and I'm um, so glad I got that right because um, I, I was never disappointed I knew I'd made the right decision and uh, as I say somebody that said to me I was a, a lad that um, joined in 73 and I'd done 20 years there and I'd played the most games and everything else I'd have I thought I'd have had them locked up probably but um as I say no so so proud and to say that you're still involved in the club if somebody had said to me you know 45 years later you're still driving people mad around the club um I'd have thought good god so um you know very very lucky um but people go on about my 20 years there um as actually you don't make you feel like it was a Oh, it must have been tough. It wasn't twenty years playing for Arsenal. You, you can't believe your luck.
0: It's incredibly unusual. I mean, we spoke about Arsene Wenger as a manager doing twenty-two years, but for a player to do it—were there any times when you thought, "I need to move on"? I wonder what it's like. You know, is the grass greener elsewhere? Was was?
2: Look, there was a few times that you 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 know you see people moving. You see Lee move to Italy. You seen Frank Statement go to Manchester United, and and I was I was getting offered similar opportunities. Um, at certain times through it, there was a brief of um, thinking but no Ken Fryer always knew anytime there was a contract come round I always had a the pen in my hand ready to sign if you know what I mean. Maybe a couple of times when we were in not playing so well and we were getting a bit bogged down and um, you think yourself God do you need a change or anything but I never said it to people but I had a I had an ambition um, to do 20 years at the club. I remember finishing, again, not going out publicly or that. Of um, There was a couple of things I remember at the time and everybody who celebrate. I remember people after I'd done 10 years there and they were saying, oh, how good and how time, how quickly it'd gone. And I thought to myself, I think the way, I, the position I play in, I think the way I'm lucky with injuries, the way I keep myself fit, that I can do another ten here. And I, I was quite determined to do that. And the other thing I, I wanted to do on a private ambition was I remember getting playing six hundred games for Arsenal and people saying like you you're up now with say George Armstrong who went into the six hundred I, I had something in my head that just said to myself, Well, I want to go into the seven hundreds and have somebody say to me, Nobody in the Arsenal history has ever gone into the seven hundreds. And I had that, that drove me on as well as a private ambition to do.
0: It's incredible ambition, isn't it? Well, to set yourself that sort of target. So when you did eventually um, break the record, it was, well, it's Geordie's record that you you took, of course, who played in your debut. Yeah. Your yeah. 622nd game would have been the record. Um, so that was something that you had targeted something you had earmarked and so to get to that day it must have been a very special. yeah uh,
2: and honestly and I can't you know, I remember coming home that night feeling so proud and how the club uh, honoured me uh, with the presentation and everything else but I remember saying to my wife I want to do go into the I want to play 700 games and she said, "You're you're mad you, I, you, <laughs> you know just we'd only enjoy them well I said no I I, I won't put the Say that out. I put myself under pressure. The pressure will put is being in my own head. And when I achieve it, I'll be able to say to myself, "You've set yourself something you wanted to do. That you know it wasn't a goal that was set out to the, to let everybody know. And that was very very nice when I played that seven hundred game that I'd set myself up myself that I wanted to do. And it was kind of the same thing at Wembley in. Um, that cup final against Sheffield Wednesday of coming down the steps with the cup and that, and I was thinking, I'm 20 years here now. Uh, this month, I wa- this, that's another thing I wanted to do. And how lucky am I celebrating it by winning the FA Cup as well? And that was a private thing I had, and the way it worked out with that, your eldest I to celebrate 20 years, but your eldest celebrated by winning the FA Cup. And I think, as I say a little bit earlier, in that same year we beat Sheffield Wednesday in the uh, Coca Cola and. Um, you know, there are little private things that you're saying to your head. Congratulate yourself on.
0: Yeah, because it's one thing to have a twenty-year career, but to do it at the top, to play for um and to win trophies throughout that time. You know, under under Terry Neal, then again under George Graham, you had to keep improving, didn't you, to stay at that level?
2: Well, as long as I looked after the gardens well for them, all their gardens were maintained, and their cars were well washed and cleaned, and everything else. So kept kept them all sweet. But look that was that was the thing with Arsenal it was good of I enjoyed the the pressure as well that's what got you there was that um, you had to keep performing if you wanted to survive at Arsenal football club and it kept you being consistent now i've seen a lot of really good players come and couldn't cope with the expectation of a big club and i always even say now people who are you when you buy a player, um, you've got a sus mentality as well of can he come and deliver week in, week out because the big clubs, it's about that. Not doing it uh, have one great game and then rest on your laurels for a few. It's you perform, the game was over, you move on and you're expected to perform for the next game. And that keeps you on your toes at the big clubs. Certain people who through no fault around who are good players can cope with that mentality and it takes that it takes a special player to play at the Man United's, to play at the Arsenal's, to play at the Liverpool's, to have that expectation thrown on them uh, week in, week out. And that's, it's not just about buying a player for the club if you're going to all this type of clubs. You've got to really try and understand their mentality. or Can they cope with that pressure and expectation? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: ask you about how much football changed almost around you while you were playing because I guess it was a gradual change for you you don't really notice season from season but if you look back you know when you started it was still two points for a win goal average I think was still being used in your first season rather than goal difference um yeah. the commercialization of football we didn't even have a, a JVC I don't think it no. uh no. come until a no. bit later um and then obviously the stadium changes a bit later with all seaters What did you think were the big changes um, while you were playing? And and did you notice it? Or was it more of a gradual thing
2: for you? No, there was change. I mean, when JVC went on our front of our jerseys, that that was like, good God, you know, we never thought we'd ever see anything like that on an Arsenal jersey and commercials and the way they came in. Amazing. I I think the game, there's a lot of good things that's come and there's a lot of bad things. I think the good things from the days of progressing through was, I think the one-point and the three-point thing is good. Um, I think it rewards you to to go out and try and attack and win a game um, because the reward is there. Uh, I like that idea. I like the idea uh, when it came of not the slowness of passing back, killing the game off, letting the goalkeeper pick it up. Uh, that way, was if you look back at the old games, that that you the game becomes so ploddy and you could run the clock down doing that type of thing. Um, I think of, you know, I look at the the battles and particularly the skillful players, um, the midfield players, the the wingers, the way they used to get kicked up in the air and nobody got a yellow card for it or anything. And booking, you probably had to uh, nearly assassinate the person before you got a yellow card. And I think that's been great that the defenders have had to be more defenders instead of being so crude, and the skillful players have been let show their skills off amazingly better um, and being protected. Against that, I think the things I totally dislike is the way the players go down so easily now, it's frightening. Um, and that That's that's an absolute thing that drives me mad. The way they feign injuries is absolutely uh, shocking. The other thing that drives me mad, if you want to take it really up to date now, is the VAR. It just uh, I sit in the stand now when we when Arsenal score a goal and I think to myself got I jump up now and I tend to not jump up now anymore yeah, now because I think i'm
0: scared to celebrate
2: I'm am scared to celebrate um I cannot believe fingernails are when we you know to disallow goals I just think that is just not right um of that way it's it's too fine a margin of yeah um, of of that I, I I was all for it but at the moment, I think it's it's just ruining the instant reaction. That that's the part that's you know when we were talking about it coming in, we never talked about that part, and it's killed that part off because we just wait, we look. Oh, can we celebrate? Uh, of it, is it going to be taken away? And um, I like the idea of though if somebody's done something vicious to somebody else, or that that's, yeah, you can be punished for it because it, you should be punished for it. But uh, as I say on the gold part of it uh, I have been very disappointed I think it's ruining the game personally so
0: what was your what would you say was your favorite era to play in if you could go back to one season and you thought yeah this is this is how football should be
2: favorite era to play in um i think as the game was going on um in the later times and the, the game was getting better and better uh, so I, I for all I enjoyed all the years. I think the years of when I was finishing was probably the best years, and um, because I think the things that were getting implemented, were only going to be better for the game.
0: And so that was the, the Premier League era was yeah. your your last season at Arsenal. I know you carried on after that, but did you, was that a big change? Do you think a big shift? It's sort of the, that's when the showbiz
2: came in, isn't it? I don't think you could put any better. That's when the showbiz came in, and that's when footballer started to become instead of back-page stuff, um, creeping onto the front pages of newspapers in, in ways. um, And we become very celebrity. And then w- w- the thing that has changed the ballpark just unbelievably is the money side of things. You know, when, when Arsene Wenger, I remember him saying to me that when, when he came to Arsenal, you know, there was one player on by far the highest money, say. Uh, and they, you thought that was extraordinary. But now that... That's uh, per year. That person now, there's people earning far more than that per week, if, if you know what I mean. That's that's how the game has changed ridiculously. I think the game has swung far too much to the player. I think it was totally the other way. Not the player's faults. The, the money's, uh, you know, good luck to them. So do you think the
0: game has changed more since you retired or... During your career, and in those twenty years when you played uh, more than twenty years after Arsenal as well, were the were the changes as drastic then as they have been since?
2: I think the most noticeable has been since I retired. I think there's been a lot of radical changes since then. Like the science and the football side of things has gone immensely. I feel the players are more delicate now than when I was. Um, <laughs> yes, um, I know what you mean. I think they're. Because we've got that many gurus behind the scenes, uh, you know, sports scientists, they have assistants, then there's psychologists, they have assistants. There's so many other people involved in the football side now. And I think the player themselves getting involved with all these at such a young age that they're brought up into a way of they've got to be highly tuned and totally right to play. I wonder, would I have played so much uh, under this new regime? Or I might have played a double amount of games under this regime, the amount of things that uh, you know are given to benefit you, to get you. But I don't know whether as well as that are, are the players programmed into you've got to be totally right before you can play stuff.
0: So what do you think will happen? We, you spoke, you mentioned Sak, Bakaya Saka earlier, starting out at the the start of his journey. Imagine him um, doing this interview in 20 years' time when he's looking back on his career. Do you think it will come to a point where we sort of start to roll back on a few of these things?
2: Um, I think the only way we're going to roll back is if, you know, the tumble dryer stops spinning with all this amount of cash in it. Um, you know, what drives us forward is TV money, which is, you know, the where it was in my day. It was creeping up. where it's gone you know sky getting involved in bt and you see the premier league rights around the world to me that's the only time if if those people don't want football um you'll get a correction in it um financially but who's to say then if these those people pop out the amazons and somebody else come in and take it to the other next level again um yeah so i can't i i cannot see um it's slowing down for the time being. Um, I, I, I just really can't. Um, I think that you know the stadiums are getting they're getting fantastic. Um, I just feel in my own right that once we get over COVID and we settle back after a couple of years, it will go back again into another uh, cycle of uh, probably mad, madness.
0: Okay, we can just finish this section by talking about your your record. We did touch on it that game at. Against Norwich at Highbury, which was a was a crazy game as well in itself, wasn't it? The um, was
2: it four three in the end? Cra- crazy game, and I thought to myself, "Good God, what a game! Go- what a way to celebrate your day!" All right, absolutely, absolutely mad, exciting, great atmosphere. And you scored as well. Well, yeah, good God, <laughs> uh, I, I was deadly from about two yards out. That was my forte, definitely. Um, and it was all happening. It was great atmosphere. Um, you know, Highbury gave you that. It was very enclosed. A lot of people involved. I mean, when I started off. You know, it was 56,000 for some of those games um, that way. And it was, you know, we think people remember a bit now and that game was 38,000, I think, at at the Norwich game. But I remember when there was nearly 20,000 more in there and the atmosphere was just unbelievable uh, in the place. Absolutely unbelievable. The night football, the atmospheres in it um, were just amazing. You look up at that North Bank and the amount of, People in it was just phenomenal, uh, and as I said, they used to nearly suck the ball into the net for us at times at that end. So, so tell us about the uh,
0: that game as well. What are your memories? Uh, we mentioned you you scored, and I think it was a comeback, wasn't it, for Arsenal for Lee Dixon to score in the, in injury time, and then it it all kicked off in the, in the goal net,
2: didn't it? Yeah, I think there was a what's the pushing and shoving, handbags of you know at ten yards and everything else. I think it was a bit about nothing really in general. But it was the intensity of the match and the atmosphere and, you know, scoring the goals, the whole lot made a very intense match and exciting match and a lively match. It was just a great way to finish off a really great day.
0: You also mentioned the cup final, the replay against Sheffield Wednesday in 93. Just tell us about, so you, obviously, you, you knew, did you, that it would be your last game going into it? Yeah. How had those, those conversations taken place with, with George Graham?
2: George was a great manager, but he you know, he didn't kind of take any prisoners of his attitude was, Yeah, you you've done twenty great years at Arsenal, but um, you know, there's no simply there. It's time to move on. you know, we believe that uh, you've done your time for us and that was his attitude, uh, George. Uh it was no simply thinking, we'll give you another year, I'll give you another two years of if I, if i if I'd have been offered that. Do I think I could have done more at the? Yes, uh, was I a bit disappointed that you weren't offered uh, another contract? Yes, um, because I think I could have still had a role or not to play maybe as many games, but even to help out with the reserves and be there, fit and ready if the club need. Like in many ways of if you can remember what Ryan Giggs and the Paul Scholes were using their later life at at uh, Manchester United, if you know what I mean, but. I, I was very appreciative, of George, of letting me know, explaining to me. And um, I had, as I say, a few months to look forward to. You know, the la- And I, I said to myself as well, well, one thing, I'd hated to being told that after 19 years, nobody had known. But at least I knew I was achieving some personal ambition in my own head. Of the other thing I wanted to do was do 20 years at the club.
0: You wouldn't have wanted to stay out of sympathy anyway. You 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 were there on merit. The whole your whole career.
2: You couldn't have put it better. Um, and I thought that as well. If I don't want to simply vote or to get another year's contract because you've done twenty at the club. No, I think they. I think since I've left, I think a few of them have been handed out at the club. All right, uh, over the last recent, over the last few years in ways. But George wasn't that type, and I wouldn't have wanted that way. And the last game, Wembley was always is a brilliant place if you win. And, you know, I remember that Man United game, the way we won there and the the, the ending and the whole lot. The winning was amazing against Sheffield Wednesday. But when I came down the steps that night um, and walked around and the fans were... It was, it, when you win, it's great to share with your fans because you know how much that means to them as well. It all of a sudden hit me that in about 100 yards... Time I'll be going down that tunnel and taking that jersey off and it'll be for the last time. And so it was a very mixed emotion hit me going around the stadium afterwards of, of saying, David, in a couple of minutes' time, you're going to get, you'll be finished back into that dressing room and that jersey's going to come off. And you've been putting that jersey on for this great club for 20 years and you're not going to be able to put it on for any longer after this. So I'd mix emotions in the dressing room about that. Yeah, I bet. Huge change in your
0: in your life, David. Thanks so much for your time today. Really enjoyed really enjoyed it. As I say, we could go on forever. There's so many highlights in your career, but um, I really appreciate
2: your time. No trouble. It's a pleasure. Thanks for asking me and I uh, wish you well. Stay safe and uh, please God. We'll get back to normal time soon.
0: Our thanks to David for his time today. And there's more to come next week. We couldn't end the interview without asking him about his famous penalty for Ireland in the 1990 World Cup. So we'll be releasing a bonus episode next week in which David relives that remarkable moment in his country's history. To make sure you don't miss it, you can subscribe to In Lockdown via your usual podcast provider. If you could take the time to leave a rating and review as well, that would really help us out. Thanks again to our partners at Lavazza. Remember, if you're in the UK, you can purchase your favourite coffee at lavazza.co.uk. So we'll be back next Tuesday with more from David O'Leary. Until then, thanks for listening.